Welcome to Season 4 of the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks and dissects the strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. Let's do it. In this season, I unpack the key stories and lessons from my book, Raise Your Game, high-performance secrets from the best of the best. If you've already read or listened to my book, please enjoy the reinforcement and reminders. Remember, repetition is not punishment. If this is all new to you, I hope you find this content helpful. You can order the full audiobook at audible.com or wherever audiobooks are sold. You can also order the paperback or hard copy version for you or your entire team or organization at raiseyourgamebook.com. Before I dive in, I wanted to announce that Your Game Plan, Student Athlete Edition, is coming soon. This online course was strategically designed by me to help middle school, high school, and college athletes improve their leadership, communication, and habits, as well as become the best version of themselves on and off the court or field. Here are a few samples of the lessons taught. Just because you work hard doesn't guarantee that you'll be successful, but choosing not to work hard guarantees that you won't. So you have to have a great work ethic. So I define working hard as intentionally leaving your comfort zone with purpose, that you are doing something intentionally to make yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally uncomfortable so that you will then build yourself back up stronger to have a greater capacity for whatever it is that you're trying to do. You need to really think, why are you on social media? Uh, if your answer is something to the effect of, well, all of my friends are, that's just what kids do. I don't know that that's a good enough answer. I think you really need to give you know, thought to why you're on it. Uh, once you know your why, then you can start to come up with a strategy of using it most effectively. One thing that's so important for student athletes to realize is you all are not like regular kids. You're not like regular students. You actually are accepting, willingly accepting additional responsibility. Uh, you're being held to a higher standard because you're choosing to play a sport. So you have to be willing to make some sacrifices. And the reason I say that is there's lots of things that normal kids can do that many times student athletes uh, can't do or shouldn't do because they're in pursuit of mastery of their craft. Make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Allenstein Jr or keep listening to the rest of this season for more info. In today's episode, we explore chapter three from the player section, which focuses on discipline. Luck is the residue of design. Branch Rickey. I don't believe in luck. I think unhappy and unsuccessful people use luck as an excuse. What most people call good luck is actually the expected collision between preparation and opportunity. In order to be lucky, you need to be ready for when an opportunity knocks. Was Tom Brady lucky? Not at all. A hundred other guys could have been Drew Bledsoe's backup the day he went down, but none of them would have had the career Brady has had. It is always better to be prepared for an opportunity that never arises than unprepared for one that does. We know we should be prepared, but do we look closely enough at what that means? How do you prepare? You need to be ready in case you don't have time to get ready. How do you do that? Work on your craft every single day. Do what others aren't doing. Read, watch, and listen to everything you can in your chosen field. 
spend time on it that others are spending in front of the television or sleeping in. The resources are there. Find them, use them. And then if you want to be lucky, you need to be in the right place at the right time. But instead of waiting for that to happen, you can make that happen. How? Create value in everything you do, every place you go, and every person you connect with. Ask yourself this question. Are the actions you take today on par with the dreams you have for tomorrow? Here's how to be prepared. Number one, read. Number two, study. Number three, observe. Number four, evaluate. Number five, reach out. Number six, risk. Good habits are hard to form and easy to live with. Bad habits are easy to form and hard to live with. Mark Madison, author and speaker. Deep Dive We all live in a highly distracted society. It's hard to find the time to develop the focus to sink into our work. Computer science professor Cal Newport, who wrote an entire book called Deep Work, thinks it's a dying skill. According to Newport, Going deep into our work is a crucial ability for anyone looking to move ahead in a globally competitive information economy that tends to chew up and spit out those who aren't earning their keep. Translation. The future is going to value those who can get lost in their work, who can block out all interruptions, who can focus even among the onslaught of distractions that characterize life in modern society. If you can't do this, you're in trouble. If you know you can't do this, Start addressing it. How long can you work at your computer, drafting table, or whatever your canvas is without seeking out a distraction? How long can you go without checking your text or Twitter? They might seem like short detours, little blips in your day, but they add up. All those little moments that break the flow of your work have a huge effect on your overall productivity. They prevent you from going deep. When he was in grade school, young Jeff Bezos would get so lost in his assignments that teachers had to pick up his chair with him in it to get him to move to the next task. Even back then, no one had to teach Jeff Bezos how to go deep into his work. Every researcher who's looked at multitasking has come back with the same conclusion. It's a myth. We don't do two things at once. We move back and forth between two tasks, never getting into the flow of either, each task feeling like a distraction from the other. We like to think we can multitask, but we're just half-tasking two things at once. Be suspicious of anyone who claims to be a great multitasker. I guarantee you important things are getting missed. The future will be run by those who know how to go deep into their work. That's when it will become a secret weapon. As Newport wrote, depth will become increasingly rare and therefore increasingly valuable. He offers this equation, which he calls the law of productivity. High-quality work produced equals time spent multiplied by intensity of focus. Time is, without question, our most precious resource. The moment we are born, our hourglass gets flipped over. That means that our most valuable currency is our attention. It shows what we truly value. Unfortunately, a huge portion of our time is being spent doing things that we're not paying attention to. In fact, according to a Harvard study, People spend 46.9% of their waking hours thinking about something other than what they're doing. That's nearly half the day of not being where their feet are.
Where you put your attention determines whether or not you're wasting, spending, or investing your time. Be present. It sounds so simple, but just look around. It isn't. It might be the hardest thing for us to regularly do, and it's only getting harder. I can't help but think of one of the many mind-blowing moments from LeBron James' career. But this one was not on the court. It was behind a microphone. After his Cavs lost the first game of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals, a reporter asked LeBron what happened in the fourth quarter. Partly as a tongue-in-cheek response and partly as a peek into how his mind works, LeBron took the question literally. He proceeded to give a detailed blow-by-blow -blow of the entire sequence of plays from the start of that quarter until his coach's timeout. There was a light laugh in the room, and LeBron gave a little smirk when he was done, but it shone a spotlight on how his gifts are not just physical. Imagine the focus of being able to do that. Two games later, he did it again, describing at the post-game press conference in perfect detail three different passes he made in the game, where other players were on the floor, and how he executed them. His mind is so locked into what he's doing that even with everything that comes with being the best player on the planet in a playoff game situation, those details were easy for him to just rattle off. Here's a self-test. Productivity audit. What are your three most important work-related responsibilities? What do you actually do every day at work? Compare the two lists. Note. If you aren't investing at least 80 to 90% of your time on your primary three responsibilities, then you are not being as efficient and as productive as you're capable of. Shift your energy and time so your priorities are treated like priorities. The Swish Standard To be disciplined is to carry incredibly high standards for yourself. It's making those lofty standards your baseline, meeting them, and then trying to exceed them. Years ago, I got an up-close look at a player who would eventually become arguably the best shooter in NBA history, and a peek at how he got there. At a skills camp 11 years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting and working with Steph Curry. At the time, he was a rising sophomore, an undersized college player out of Davidson College, an under-the-radar school in the Southern Conference. Actually, it was Curry himself who would bring Davidson to national attention, significantly raising its profile in subsequent years. I was the camp's performance coach, and Steph was one of the camp's counselors. He had just completed his freshman year and wasn't on the map yet, not even at the college level. But I was struck immediately. If you had the eyes to know what to look for, you'd have seen it too. This kid was something special. It began before it began. At the start of each session, Steph made sure that he was always the first guy on the court. While others were lounging around with headphones and flip-flops on, lackadaisically stretching or joking around, Steph was already laced up and going through a structured shooting routine. By the time the actual workout started, he had already made a couple hundred shots and was in a full sweat. Later, waiting on drill lines, while others were looking bored or chatting it up, Steph was studying the moves. I watched him closely and could see his focus. While he was online, he was pantomiming his footwork for a variety of finishes around the basket so that when it was his turn, he could execute them correctly. As a coach, someone who was trained to look for these kinds of things, I couldn't keep my eyes off of him. If Steph did something correctly, he then made sure to repeat it and repeat it by himself, cementing that muscle memory. If he did something incorrectly, he would go and find the nearest coach and ask for personal instruction.
Then he'd go off to the sidelines to make sure he had his footwork down or whatever it was he needed to do. Remember, this was not a tryout. No one was scouting him, and he wasn't raising his draft stock or any kind of rating. That's not why he was doing it. He was building a monster. Just nobody knew it yet. Later that day, Steph grabbed me while I was picking things up from the court. Hey, do you mind rebounding for me, he asked. I'm not leaving until I swish five free throws in a row. As I stood under the basket and rebounded for him, I was in awe of this standard of excellence. Making five in a row at all is hard enough, especially at the end of a grueling practice, but that wasn't his routine. He needed to swish them. A swish doesn't touch the backboard or rim. It's named for the sound it makes. The thing is, you can't really concentrate on swishing. If you focus on that, you're focusing on the wrong thing. It has to be completely automatic. Most people would say a made shot is a made shot, but that wasn't Curry's standard. You can't make a shot any more perfectly than swishing it. A few times he swished four and made, but didn't swish the fifth and started over. Now, no one would have cared if he'd called it a day, but he was committed to reaching his standard. These days, Steph Curry is considered the best shooter in the league, maybe the greatest shooter of all time. It didn't come out of nowhere. It started with the discipline he had to meet that high standard in those gyms when no one was paying him any attention at all. Steph's father, Del Curry, was an NBA player, a great shooter, and Steph saw firsthand that if you want to be great at something, you put the time in and you put the work in. Most kids only see ESPN highlights and YouTube clips. Steph saw the boring early mornings and exhaustive practice routines. He saw what it took and decided it was worth it. Unseen Hours My good friend and colleague, Drew Hanlon, is an internationally renowned NBA strategic skills coach. He has coined a phrase that I absolutely love, unseen hours. It refers to all of the time and effort the public doesn't see that lays the foundation to the success they do see. It's the work they put in when there are no TV cameras, no fans, and no cheerleaders. It's the baskets they make that don't count, the passes that don't show up on instant replay, and the hustling that never gets them any shout-outs. It's what happens when the gym is empty and the hour is insanely early or insanely late. Those are the unseen hours. That's where the heavy lifting happens, and the average spectator doesn't even think about it. Drew would know, having worked closely with many of the NBA's youngest stars, from Bradley Beal to Joel Embiid to Andrew Wiggins to Jason Tatum during their unseen hours. Their work is so much deeper than the time we see them on the court. There's a famous story about Pablo Picasso that epitomizes the value of the unseen hours. Picasso, in his later years, was sketching in a park when a woman walked up to him. Excuse me, she interrupted. Do you think you could sketch me something? She offered to pay him for his time. He agreed, quickly dashed off a sketch, and handed it back to her. That will be 5,000 francs, he said. What? The woman said, dumbfounded. How could you charge that much for something that took you five minutes? Ah, but madam, he said, gesturing to the drawing. That took me my whole life. Self-help icon and best-selling author Tony Robbins is a guy who has become as successful in this arena as anyone I can think of. He has Leonardo DiCaprio on speed dial and calls the former British Prime Minister Meg Thatcher. In 1998, the night before Bill Clinton's impeachment proceedings were about to begin in Congress, Robbins got a call at his home. It was the president, seeking his advice. 
Robbins is famous for saying, people are rewarded in public for the things they practice for years in private. The stuff we do see that we admire, the moments we hang up a poster or tell each other stories about, that's literally the tip. It's all about that iceberg underneath. At one time, my friend Babe Kwasniak was the sales director for Ameripath, a cancer diagnostics company. When that company was sold to Quest for a couple billion dollars, he left business and decided to pursue his passion, coaching basketball. Coach Quaz, as he's affectionately called, is one of the best basketball coaches I've ever been around. Ever see a duck floating on the water? Most graceful thing ever, he told me in an interview. In business or on a team, you should be the same way, classy and professional. Ever see a duck swimming underwater? Ugliest thing you've ever witnessed. What we do when no one is watching is rarely graceful. Discipline comes down to a simple choice. Decide exactly what you want, determine the price you have to pay, and choose whether or not you're willing to pay it. That's it. Go through three steps and move on. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache and time if you get this out of the way first. Blackouts with Kobe. Discipline is not sexy and it's not glamorous. It's an ethic and it's a belief system. It's the groundwork on which you build anything worth building. The human brain wants to work as efficiently as possible. In order to tap into that efficiency, we need to create good, consistent habits. Collectively, these translate into discipline. In 2007, Nike flew me to Los Angeles to work at the first ever Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. They brought in the nation's top high school and college players, Arizona State's James Harden among them, for an intensive three-day minicamp so that the players could learn from the best in the world. Few would argue that at that time, Kobe was the best player in the game. Jordan was the past, LeBron was the future, and Kobe was the guy. There had always been urban legends about what his workouts entailed. Word around our circles was that Kobe used to call them blackouts instead of workouts. Since I was on staff and might never again get this chance, I asked Kobe if I could watch him work out. That's how it is in my business. Everyone can see the game. But to really learn the secrets, you have to watch the practice. It's the difference between buying Jay-Z's album and sitting in the studio watching him write and record one. Sure, Kobe said, I'm going tomorrow at 4. But don't we have a camp session at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, I reminded him. I know, he replied. I'm working out at 4 a.m. Well, okay then. I figured if I was going to be there anyway, I might as well try and impress Kobe. I might as well show him how serious a trainer I was. So I planned to beat him to the gym. When my alarm went off at 3 a.m., I quickly jumped up, got dressed, and grabbed a taxi. I got to the gym around 3.30 a.m., so of course, it was pitch black outside. But as soon as I stepped out of the cab, I could see the gym light was already on. And I even heard a ball bouncing and sneakers squeaking. I quietly walked in the side door, and Kobe was already in a full sweat. He was going through an intense warm-up before the real workout started. I just grabbed a seat, didn't say a word to him or his trainer, and just watched. For 45 minutes, I was shocked. For 45 minutes, I watched the best player in the world do the most basic drills. I watched the best player on the planet do basic ball handling drills. I watched the best player on the planet do basic footwork. I watched the best player on the planet do basic offensive moves. 
Granted, he did everything with surgical precision and superhero intensity, but the stuff he was doing was so simple. I couldn't believe it. Later that day, I went over to him. Thanks again, I said. I really enjoyed watching your workout this morning. No problem, Kobe replied. Then I hesitated, not wanting to sound rude or worse, condescending. You're the best player in the world. Why do you do such basic stuff? He flashed that gleaming smile of his. Why do you think I'm the best player in the game, he asked. Because I never get bored with the basics. He knew that if his footwork was not razor sharp, then the rest of the move would never be as good as it could be. And he knew that the only way to do that was through sheer repetition. Kobe had such an understanding of building things step by step, brick by brick. He worshipped at the altar of the basics. If someone at Kobe's level needs to commit hours to practicing the fundamentals, then so do all of us. Kobe taught me a pivotal lesson that morning. The basics are simple, but not easy. If they were easy, everyone would do them. Everything a player does starts at his feet. Every shot, every pass, and every defensive slide. Footwork is the foundation of their entire game. Proper footwork provides a player with more options, both offensively and defensively. It improves movement efficiency, speed, quickness, and agility. Proper footwork makes average players good, good players great, and great players elite. It's why Kobe spent so much time working on this. Until you have that down, you can't really execute or else you're building off a weak foundation. Learn the basics. Know the basics. Master the basics. Ask yourself, what are the basics of your business? As a consultant, speaker, and author, I recognize that there's some debate about what the basics of my business are. Many believe the most basic component of my business is sales. I have to sell my services to clients. Once I'm hired, I have to sell my message, beliefs, and strategies. But I choose to dig deeper than that. What is a basic of sales? Communication. What is a basic of communication? Listening. When I break it all down, I believe the most basic component of my business, or any business for that matter, is active listening. Active listening is listening to learn, not listening to respond. It's listening to connect, not listening to reply. It's listening empathetically, which is the ability to try to see the world through another person's eyes and trying to respect, appreciate, and understand their perspective. Regardless of a company's size or industry, if they want to be elite, they must learn to master the fundamentals of active listening to both their employees and their customers and clients. Active listening is the footwork of business. Against the hack. We live in an instantly downloadable world that encourages us to skip steps and circumvent the process. We are taught to chase what's hot, flashy, and sexy and ignore the fundamentals. We are lured into hacking this or that, finding a way to skip the line. But the basics work. They always have, and they always will. A hack is a shortcut. A hack is a data breach. A hack is what people call a lame comedian. I don't believe in any of these. I believe in efficiency, not shortcuts. Skip the hacks. Do the work. Earn your success. My friend Jay Billis always talks about how his father was all about the process, whether that applied to sports, life, or yard work. Jay, he'd say, the only way you can get to the top of any ladder is step by step, rung by rung. 
Billis's father emphasized that you cannot skip steps on a ladder. If you miss one, you'll fall all the way back to the bottom. It can take you an entire lifetime to build up your reputation, and you can do one boneheaded thing and lose it instantly. Our culture encourages us to skip steps because we think we can get the glory without getting down the basics. It's why 12-year-old kids are spending their practices heaving half-court shots, because that's what Steph Curry can do. In my day, they were working on their in-the-air moves because of Michael Jordan. The kids today aren't thinking about why Curry can do that. He has built his skills to the point where making it from that distance is an extension of his natural shooting. Nailing a three-pointer at the buzzer in the NBA is as glamorous as it gets. But being alone in the gym at dawn, shooting 100 free throws in a row, those are reps. That's just work. People like Steph Curry and Kobe Bryant never forget that's where their whole game begins. Discipline is easy. Sustained, consistent discipline is hard. Jesse Itzler The Five Steps to Mastering Any Skill If you'd like to see this infographic, go to raiseyourgamebook.com At the base of a pyramid, purposeful practice requires specific feedback. Specific feedback develops honed instincts. Honed instincts creates refined experience. Refined experience produces skill mastery. Future you. Passion might be the why, but discipline is the how. As a society, we might have the energy to get going, but not keep at it. The numbers don't lie. 90% of all startups fail. According to researchers, 95% of those who lose weight on a diet regain it, and a significant percentage gain back more than they originally lost. The numbers on New Year's resolutions, company reorganizations, and post-heart attack changes are also wildly depressing. The reason? There's too much attention to the initial promise and not enough to laying the groundwork in order to actually execute and sustain it. Preparation is a controllable, competitive advantage. It's setting up your future self for success. When I asked Mark Cuban about what skills transfer from sports to business, he told me, preparation, preparation, preparation. He prepares relentlessly to ensure that he is the most knowledgeable person in the room, any room. Cuban is constantly looking to improve on what he doesn't know, which he calls a knowledge advantage. When I met him, he told me, that's the thing with technology. If you put in the time, you can keep up with anybody. It's all out there. You control your knowledge advantage. Cuban firmly believes that most people don't bother with the effort or time to gaining one, and he passed a lot of those people on his way to the top. Starting out in the computer business, Cuban bought every book and magazine he could, making educating himself his number one priority. Anyone could buy the same books and magazines he wrote in his book. The same information was available to anyone who wanted it. Turns out most people didn't want it. They might want the end result, but they don't want to do what it takes to get there. Cuban did. He still does. Success is like a loose ball. It's out there. It comes down to one simple thing. Who wants it? Learn to find it easy to do the things other people find it easy not to do. Successful people find it easy to read, to work out, to eat well, to be attentive, to set standards, to find a mentor, to attend seminars, and to network. As Jim Rohn would often say, unsuccessful people find it easy not to do these things. 
Circumstance and fortune certainly play their part, but you can control how ready you are when the opportunity comes, or when it comes, or how it comes. I know for a fact that preparation trumps pressure. I've seen it so many times, in all kinds of settings. Control the controllables. Don't focus on the outcome. Focus on the process. I want you to close your eyes for a second and picture a brick wall. You got it? Okay. If you're like me, you picture a wall where every brick has been laid perfectly. There aren't any bricks missing or any sticking out, which means someone took the care and precision to lay every brick perfectly. And if you have the discipline to lay each brick perfectly, the end result will be a sound, sturdy wall. Nothing else is even possible. When you focus on the process, the outcome will take care of itself. Over time, by putting in the work, by having the discipline to put in the work, you set yourself up for success. Experience isn't about your former titles or your resume. Experience is the unseen hours, the early mornings, the late nights, everything that happens when no one is watching. When you've accumulated enough of those, your skills will come out of you as naturally as your breath does. When no one is watching. My longtime friend Dave Bullwinkle is a scout for the Chicago Bulls. When Syracuse came to D.C. to play Georgetown for a 4 p.m. game many years ago, Dave texted me. He said he was coming to town to scout a couple of players on each team and invited me to come. Meet me outside the arena at 11, he texted. 11, I replied. The game's at 4. Why do we need to be there five hours before tip-off? Because that's my job, he wrote back. It was Dave's job as a scout to watch players when they didn't know someone was watching them. Dave didn't care so much about the game itself. He had already watched hours of film on each of these guys. He needed to watch them before the game to see how they interacted with their teammates and coaches, how they talked to the building service staff, what routines they put into practice and were executing in their free time. He wanted to see how they prepare. Are they clowning around and throwing up hook shots from half court? Or do they go through a structured, specific routine? When the strength coach is taking them through their warm-up, are they just as dialed in as they are at tip-off, or are they goofing off? Dave and I sat up in the stands, the only ones watching private shoot-arounds, and he took page after page of notes. Even though I don't have Dave's keen eye, it was still crystal clear to me which players knew how to prepare and which ones didn't. In one shoot-around, two or three players drastically raised their stock in Dave's eyes, and two or three drastically lowered their stock. And here's the thing. None of them had any idea. Dave was writing down notes that would actually impact these players' futures, and they didn't even know it, based on things they probably didn't even think were important. The lesson? Someone is always watching you, and everything you do matters. If you don't think your pregame preparation matters, then on some level, you won't play as well once the stands are full. We all have off days, but the habits of preparation are going to reveal so much more than how we do on one day. It's why in high school, Larry Bird shot 500 free throws before school every morning, even during the months he had a broken ankle and was likely to miss the rest of the season. If you cheated in the dark of the morning, heavyweight champion Joe Frazier once said, you're getting found out now under the bright lights. Our choices, our stories. In 2010, Amazon founder and CEO Jeff Bezos gave the commencement speech to Princeton University's graduating class. He talked about how our lives can be summed up as a story of our choices. 
When we are old and sharing our story, the telling that will be most compact and meaningful will be the series of choices you've made, he said. In the end, we are our choices. Each and every day you have a choice to make. You can choose to work hard or you can choose to not work hard. And remember, not working hard is actually a choice. It doesn't feel like one, but it most certainly is. In fact, it's often the easiest choice available. That's why so many people make it. If you want to be successful, you need to decide to work hard consistently. You must choose to get better every day, even when no one else is around, and even when you don't feel like it, especially at those times, because that's how you get a leg up on everyone else. Merely wanting it is not enough. Just about everyone wants it. Make the sacrifices necessary to make it happen. Key point. Create habits and structure that will give you an edge in your business. Discipline means having, maintaining, and refining a system in place to work on your game. Remember, there's no such thing as finding success as if you stumbled upon it. You create success by building the habits to reach it. It's the consistent habits that make the best the best. Build a schedule and a structure of habits that put first things first. Knock out distractions. Consider how to spend your time wisely and efficiently. Be ruthless in trimming the fat from your day. Use your unseen hours. Make the most of your time. Those at the top do not waste a second. Focus on what matters. Well, that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to join my conversations at Alan Stein Jr. on all major social platforms and go to allensteinjr.com to subscribe to my full timeout, 30-second timeout, and overtime monthly emails. I look forward to helping you raise your game.